0: Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu.
1: Welcome, welcome to the Brett Boone Podcast.
0: Explore the mind of MLB All-Star,
1: Silver Slugger, and Gold Glove winner, Brett Boone. As he sits down with his friends from the world of professional sports. Now, now, up to to bat, bat, Brett
0: Boone. Tell me about this book. I, know, I I think this is your third book. And I think you were a New York Times bestseller before. We just had Tyler Kepner on New York Times bestseller. But uh, how did it come about? It's called Got Your Number. Uh, how did this book come to fruition?
1: So, yes, uh, here's exactly what happened. So we were sitting around. I host a show in the mornings on ESPN called Get Up. And one day after the show was over, because we are, to the point I made earlier, just a bunch of sports geeks, We actually got into a conversation, the group of us who work on the show, about how many Hall of Fame quarterbacks all wore the same jersey number. They all wore the number 12. Joe Namath, uh, Roger Staubach, Terry Bradshaw, Jim Kelly, uh, Bob Greasy, and soon-to-be Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, who will both wind up in the Hall of Fame. And one of the people in the conversation said, yeah, Greedy, they all wore the number 12, but who owns the number 12? And literally, it's like a light bulb went off over my head. So I, I have written several books in the past, as you mentioned, but no sports books. I've never written a book about sports. And the very simple reason is I didn't have a good enough idea. And just like that, I had the idea, which is to write a book called Got Your Number, in which I decide who owns every number in sports history from one to 100. So, for example, all the different players, ever wore the jersey number one in all the sports, who's the greatest of all time? I have a researcher named Paul Hembokitis, everyone calls him Hembo, who is the best in the business. He did all my research for me, and I wrote 100 chapters deciding who owns each of these individual numbers. And there are plenty of baseball players in there. Some of them are quite obvious. Number two is Derek Jeter. Number three is Babe Ruth. Actually, the first three are all baseball players. Ozzie Smith is one. Derek Jeter is two. Babe Ruth is number three. But even for the ones that you you think are obvious – Some of the information that Hembo dug up for the chapters in this book boggled my mind. For example, the Babe Ruth one. I mean, you and I both know that Babe Ruth is one of the, not not one of, he is probably the most legendary figure in the history of American sports. But there's a note in this that I thought was fascinating. During World War II, the New York Times reported that Japanese troops charging U.S. soldiers were yelling to hell with Babe Ruth. Not to hell with Roosevelt, the president, to hell with Babe Ruth. Like, that's what they associated America with. Um, that's how famous he was. And, of course, there are athletes from all the different sports that are in there. So that's what the book is, and it is a combination of sports debate and sports history. So the debate part is, I made some tough choices. For example, 21, I will ask you. The number 21 was worn by Dion Sanders in football. It was worn by Tim Duncan in basketball and it was worn by Roberto Clemente in baseball. Who would you give that number to? Who would you say owns that number? <clears throat> I agonized over this one.
0: Well, I'm going to go when when I have a when I have a position like this, I just falter to to every Oh, of course he said that he's a baseball player. I'm going to go
1: with Roberto uh, Clemente. And that is who we chose. And and okay. here was the here was how I decided that that I think let's just say for the sake of argument as players, let's just call them equal. You can't be better than Clemente and you can't be better than Duncan and you can't be better than Dion was in football. So let's say not, no, no one of the three of them is definitively better. Roberto Clemente is, is probably one of the three or four most important people that ever played baseball. The impact that he had on Latin American players on, I mean, imagine the sport today without it. Um, People refer to him sometimes as the Latin American Jackie Robinson. When you consider the way that the, the, the manner in which he lived and the way in which he died, delivering relief supplies to Nicaragua, which he was doing only because he felt that they were not going where they were supposed to go and that if he was there, they would actually do what they were meant to do. Dying so young as a consequence of that. To this day, baseball's humanitarian award is called the Roberto Clemente Award. Those were the things that set it apart for me. So Duncan and Dion, either one of them would have been completely worthy choices. But what set it apart for me for Clemente was his impact beyond just how great a player he was.
0: Right. So a lot of these choices were made. It's just not basically, oh, he was the greatest that that there could be there could be Exterior circumstances,
1: absolutely. Like, like you just
0: pointed out, with the, what was your... Did you have one that was your favorite debate out of all the
1: numbers? That was the one that I keep coming back to as being one of the hardest. Um, that one was very hard. I got lucky on twenty four because Kobe Bryant wore two numbers, <laughs> so I got to give him eight, and I was able to give Willie Mays twenty four. This there was there would have been no way to do a book like this without having Mays in it. Um, so he's he was twenty four. Um, number four was brutal, brutally hard decision to make because number four is Lou Gehrig. Uh It's Bobby Orr, and it's Brett Favre. And again, we're talking about three of the all-time greats. And in this one, I actually did go a little bit differently. I did go with the greatest player because I felt there was a differentiation. That at the end of the day, Bobby Orr is the second greatest hockey player that ever lived. And as great as Gehrig is, and Gehrig is probably not probably Gehrig is the greatest first baseman that ever lived. Um, he isn't the second best baseball player that ever lived. And Brett Favre is nowhere near the second best quarterback even that ever lived and or is and and or there are stats in this book that will blow your mind if you don't know the history. So that's the point. So you've got the debate, the choices I made, which plenty of people will disagree with. I've already had a ton of people tell me <laughs> I got Lou Gehrig totally wrong. That absolutely right. should have been Gehrig. Instead of or, it is a great debate. But beyond that, whether you agree or disagree with the decisions that I made, I hope that what you will read will be as fascinating to you as it was to me when we did the research. You will find out things. Let me put it this way. If Brett Boone had a number in this book, you yourself would have found out things you didn't know about Brett Boone. Um, <laughs> that's how incredibly meticulous the research is. So it is, uh, it is sort of equal parts sports debate and sports history And hopefully that will make it a lot of fun. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash card.
0: Well, it's cool, though, because, I mean, right there, that just little conversation we had right there, you made a good point. Why Bobby Orr? You know, for the haters out there, how could you pick Bobby Orr? Well, because he's the second best hockey player.
1: He is. Oh, he is.
0: Wait a minute. That kind of makes sense. So I, I love that having a reason why I picked it. I think that's great. I wrote a book about ten years ago, different than yours. I kind of they they kind of hounded me, write it about, and I didn't want. You know, I was just retired, and I'm thinking mm-hmm. the last thing I'm going to do is go write a book. You know, it's sacred mm-hmm. when I walk through those doors in a clubhouse. But they finally convinced me. And they said, "No, it'll be about your family." And I thought, you know, interesting. Uh, it could be growing up the way I did, going yeah. back to grandpa. I, I kind of reluctantly agreed. They paid me enough, <laughs> so I sat down and I wrote it. Really educational process. I had a ghostwriter. We'd meet. We'd edit. We'd meet. We'd edit. Uh, The whole process. I ended up doing the the audio book myself. Talk about a nightmare. Yeah. Sitting there and reading it. But um, it was interesting to me. And I look back on it. It was really cool because you know what it brought up? Gramps had passed at that point. And telling the stories that when he was alive, he'd tell me that same story, you know, that Ted Williams, Brett, he's the greatest, let me tell you about this time, or or or, or whatever. And he would tell these stories 10, 20-fold. And as a kid, I'd be like, or not as a kid, now I'm in the big leagues, and I'd be like, Gramps, I've heard that story like 10 times. Once he's gone, and you get a little on in life, you appreciate those things. And And sure. just getting to go over it again and and – relive grandpa. It it was really cool for me. So in the end uh, I had a good time doing it and I was reluctant for you writing a book you've read, you've written several. Um, What do you find difficult about writing a book? What do you find easy?
1: Well, this was a very different book to write than the other ones I've done. The other ones were all like creative, right? The, The other ones were all fiction and, and, and you have to imagine a story and imagine characters and all that kind of stuff. That's a completely different challenge than this one. This one was actually great fun um, because when, once we had the idea, then literally, so I hired Hambo, my researcher, he went off and he came back with one and he, we would sit down. He'd say, okay, here are all the options for number one. There weren't that many for one, but here are all the options for number four, for number eight, for number 22, for number 36. And then we would choose who we liked. Some of them were pretty easy. Like, Number three didn't take very long. Number 23 didn't take very long. You know, number 99 didn't take very long. It's retired across the entire sport. So those were 42 didn't take us any time to figure out who we were going to do. Then he went off and did the research. He would send me the research for each individual one. And I would sit down and I would write the chapter. I wrote uh, 100 uh, chapters, each of which is right around 500 words. So they're all between two and three pages. So you can sit down and read two or three of them right now, and then t- 10 of them tomorrow. And then, you know, you, you can literally pick it up and just read a couple of chapters anytime you want. And and so that was really fun. The information was all sitting there in front of me. I didn't have to make up anything, quite the opposite of that. I just really had to figure out how to best organize the information so that it would, you know, be interesting to read and not get redundant. And because you, you could write a lot of stats, particularly with baseball players. There were so many stats and numbers and I tried very hard to make it a little more emotional so for example right off the bat Ozzie Smith who was one of my favorite I'm a Yankee fan but he was one of my favorite players growing up what I wrote about was that I believe he was the last player ever of a genre that doesn't exist anymore there are no more Ozzie Smiths and there aren't ever going to be any more Ozzie Smiths and that's something I think I miss in the sport I miss the shortstop who hits 237 (laughs) but <laughs> but but literally steals a run every other day I mean literally probably steals 80 runs a year by playing that level of defense and of course he hit one of the most famous home runs of all time which I write about the only home run he ever hit left-handed um, but but um, that's the kind of stuff that I wanted to write about it it can't just be a never-ending um, re- recite a recitation of all the statistics because that you could, almost anyone could Google these guys and find that out. So I tried to make sure, like we said before, there's an art and a science. There are plenty of numbers in it, but I tried to put a lot of context around them, and hopefully that will make it fun.
0: That's no, very cool. And your point on Ozzie Smith, he reinvented the position. Correct. Uh, and then you know, it was it,
1: reinvented it, away from him, right? And Cal came right after him. Right. And then came A-Rod a- and Derek Jeter and Nomar, and that was it. And the, all of a sudden, home run, I mean, um, shortstops were 6-2. And they weighed you know, 210 pounds, and they were hitting home runs all over the place. And that's not the game I grew up watching. And it, it is now forever going to be that game. And it's not, it's not a bad thing, but whenever something sort of fades away into the ether, I have a tendency to miss it.
0: it, it you talk about that, Cal. I, I remember when Cal, you know, and he was the staple at shortstop for a lot of years. And it was always the exception, though. You know, it was Cal. Oh, he's big. You know, usually those shortstop, and it was at the time. I mean, mm-hmm. in my time, second basemen were my size. They were five ten. Robbie Alomar was five ten. Most of my peers were five ten. If you if you were six foot six one playing second base, you were an exception. Cal was the exception, like you said. Then came a Rod uh, Jeter. He's a lot bigger than people think he is. He, he you is. know, He's six three, six four. Uh, and nowadays, I mean it's the sky's the limit this who's the shortstop for Pittsburgh right now I mean six seven yeah yeah Aaron Aaron Judge playing center field at six eight just a, a different era we've entered into but uh really cool and, and yeah Ozzy I've got a I've kind of got a special place for Ozzy too because I just looked to him of, of that time and and he was doing something that no one ever did at that position before but, but I, I never would miss it in 237.
1: <laughs> I hear you. Can I tell you one very quick, Ozzy Smith story? So it. I used to play in the, um, the legends and celebrity softball game for many years. We played in that on the Sunday before the all-star game, you know, they would have that game right. where a bunch of like TV actors would play with a bunch of old, a bunch of old ball players. Paul Molitor would play in, um, one years, all these guys, Gary Carter back, you know, but God rest his soul. He was playing in that goose Gossage, All these guys, some guys would play. And my only hope, all I wanted when I was standing at the plate, was to hit the ball to a legend. I wanted to ground out to Ozzy. I didn't, I didn't delude myself that I was going to hit a home run. I wanted to hit the ball to Ozzy Smith. I wanted to be able to say that Paul Molitor threw me out. Like, that's what I wanted in life. Instead, in my three at-bats, I grounded out to a backstreet boy. I Marsha Brady. Out. I popped no, out. It wasn't kidding. Marsha Brady, but I did. I, I grounded out to a Backstreet <laughs> Boy. I popped out to a member of Insync, and I hit a solid line drive that the comedian Billy Crystal snagged, and that was it. Those are my three at-bats. I'm 0 for 3, and I never once hit the ball to an actual baseball player, and that broke my heart.
0: <laughs> and you were trying to.
1: Oh, I had Ozzy. I can see Ozzy playing short. I'm just trying as hard as I can. Hit it to short. Hit it to short. Instead, I popped it up to the third baseman, who was one of the Backstreet Boys. (laughs) That was a huge disappointment.
0: 2400 Sports is an Odyssey company.